Welcome to the EFTM Formula One podcast. Thanks to KO. Trevor along with you, Connor McNally and Harry Tucker. Each and every Formula One race, having watched it on KO, we sit down and we talk about what happened. And i got to say, boys, first and foremost, we have to talk about the most important thing. Do you watch the whole race or the KO <laughs> Mini, Harry? What are you uh, suggesting people jump into here? Definitely the Mini. Um, we were just saying before recording that a few of us even struggle to to really keep awake till the end here. And I think if we weren't recording this podcast, we probably wouldn't have watched the end. So there. Connor? Many as well. Why would you want to watch the entire race? You'll fall asleep by about two-thirds distance. So, yeah, go the mini, I reckon. Yeah, if you're struggling at any point to uh, get some sleep, um, jump into the whole race and uh, that'll knock you off nice and early. <laughs> uh, KO, minis, uh, KO Minis, by the way, are now uh, freebies. So you can, uh, even if you're listening to this and you never tried KO, you can sign up. Uh, no credit card required, and get yourself an account, and you can watch the uh, the Formula One minis uh, as freebies. So they're all available as freebies, as is the first round of the Cricket World Cup. Um, but Harry will be excited because the NBL's season kicks off in early December, and boys, the Bathurst 1000, 29th oh. of November. I'm excited for some real motorsport oh. to come back to Australia. It's been uh, it's been a well, it feels like it's been a long couple of years. Let's be honest. But it's anyway. like a Bathurst Superfest this year, isn't it? Like yeah. Six days. Yeah. Yeah, Super six thousand. It's all happening. TCR, it's crazy. Well, going to be crazy. I reckon I might go up. There is a. You've got the ability to do that affordably, though, because you do have family up there. But um, always helps. Yeah, it does help. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much. <laughs> you know, the Bathurst Sheep and Cattle Drome. I'm not sure they still do. Uh, their uh, their dorm lodgings that I used to partake in in the early nineties. But anyway, um, that's. Let's talk about the race. I mean, this was. It had it had the potential to be. Something exciting because there was uh, there was poor conditions. Uh, it was cold and wet day. Um, not dissimilar to last year in terms of you know the the kind of overall track conditions, boys. But Connor, I think the the race start alone was probably an indication that we might not get the chaos of of an expected wet race because it was mm. a pretty solid start by all. It was a pretty solid start, and for the most part, everyone got through that opening lap pretty cleanly with the exception of uh, Pierre Gasly and Fernando Alonso. And as we saw, Alonso got spun out at turn one and we expected maybe two or three more cars involved in that, in that one corner. But uh, Alonso, unfortunately the victim of uh, a sandwich between himself and Gasly and another car and Gasly got on the radio said, I got stuck in a sandwich, got stuck in a sandwich. Alonso wasn't impressed and Gasly unfortunately got a five second penalty that he had to serve in his pit stop. Harry, I, I don't, I don't agree with that penalty whatsoever. No. Often, you know, penalties are conjectures, but uh, this was a racing incident on turn one. Mm. Perez was on the inside of Gasly. Yep. Gasly, you know, had nowhere to go either way. He may have understood a little bit, but it's corner one. I mean, you got to accept yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff, don't you? Yeah, you definitely. He's clearly stuck in the middle there in the sandwich, like he said, or is more of a baguette, I guess, for the French. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, he, he just, he just understood lack of grip on the track. It, it wasn't. It was a purely a racing incident. Like we, we talk a lot about this, like, you know, these crashes and like it, that we want to be racing incidents, incidents, I should say, um, as they're really close to the line and using the edge of the track. And if you're going to call something like that a penalty, then what sort of racing are you actually encouraging? Yeah. And I think that's mm. the challenge that we all have with those kind of decisions. It's really one that you want Michael Massey you know, to, to be confronted by Alonso in the in the back of the pit garages and for Maxi to just say, mate, shit happens. Move on. Yeah, I mean, completely. that's that's mm-hmm. the most investigation that should be required once you've had one look at the replay there. So 
that, that was a bit disappointing. But I will say something, I, I don't know whether I've just not noticed or whether this was new, but in the coverage, um, Harry, they had these reaction time meters. Have you seen those before? No, that's definitely new, that one. Mm. Yeah, thanks to AWS data. Uh, um, I, I swear that AWS sponsorship must be doing more harm than good for the brand because it has literally never predicted anything correctly. <laughs> well, well it's, we- it's just fortunate, Connor, that um, uh, Mercedes' strategy is not powered by AWS <laughs> because I think that would be bad for the brand because that's really the story of this race, the Turkish oh, Grand Prix, Connor. This- yeah, the the strategy just did not work well at all tonight for for Lewis Hamilton because basically I think Hamilton was on the right the right call. Mercedes wanted him to pit midway through the race because they were worried that he didn't have the tire uh, stability to last the entire race on that one set. But Hamilton was extremely confident on that set of tires. He felt that he could survive that the entire race. But I think with, with, uh, Mercedes actually got spooked by the fact that Leclerc was very much on a similar strategy and he was hoping to go through the entire race himself until he decided to pit because he was losing grip, you know, near the end of the race. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of conjecture in that debrief later on. I uh, honestly think the amount of debrief and conjecture concern in that um, garage will be as much as there was last uh, race with McLaren, even though... Mercedes ended up with first and fifth here. Valtteri Bottas with the win. Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez sharing the podium uh, in second and third. Leclerc uh, in fourth. Hamilton in fifth. Uh, a couple of seconds in the end ahead of Gasly, Norris, Sainz, Stroll and Ocon. Um, Daniel Ricciardo in 13th, well out of the points, having been passed by both Alfa Romeos in the closing laps, which my son suggested might have been because Max was uh, in the area and maybe... Uh, Daniel paid better respect to the blue flag than uh, the Alphas did. But anyway, that's just pure, <laughs> pure congestion. So it was a bit strange for Daniel to lose uh, positions to both the Alphas. He, um, he pitted a lot earlier. Yeah, I know. But it's still, the, the tyres had no impact, Harry. And I think that's, yeah, the, I that's the number one story of this race. Lewis Hamilton will never listen to his pit wall again because he's going through this race. Daniel had pitted. He was the first person to pit. Um, and he he showed that there was basically no massive advantage on the on the new inters. Uh, there was nothing about his times that suggested it was, you know, a slam dunk in terms of pitting. Um, Lewis was driving around going, well, I'm, I'm fine. What are we doing? And stayed out for, I don't know, four or five laps. I can't even tell you when he came in because I fell asleep at that point. <laughs> lap 53. Um, lap 53. So, you know, five laps to go, you pit for zero advantage. Um, he would have yeah. been on the podium, Harry. He's not going to lose the, what, 30 seconds that he's lost in the pit, you know, over those five laps running out there. <sighs> Unless they were afraid that he was going to just lose grip completely. But I, I think that's that's definitely a Lewis call in that case. It makes, I think this is... Yeah, there's no justification. Some of the worst strategy, unless there was some thought that those tyres would literally explode. That's the only thing they could say. They They would have to walk Lewis over to the to the tyres from his first stint, Connor, and show him Kevlar. They'd need to see canvas in there. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, totally. I mean, okay, there's no Kevlar. Yes, the tyres were bald by the time that he came in and pitted, but I think those tyres would have survived the entire 58-lap distance without a question. I think Hamilton was right in making the decision to stay out there, but, uh, yeah, I think... Mercedes just made a very, very bad call tonight, and it showed. You could tell how pissed off he was on he the was team fuming, radio. Fuming, fuming, oh. and and you know we only hear the 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 bits of it. <laughs> Imagine 
what is being said right now. As Valtteri stands atop the podium, I'd be amazed to see if Toto's even down there because, yeah, he is. <laughs> um, because Lewis would be getting out of his car, weighing in and blowing up. He'd be telling Angela how he feels, and I'm not sure Angela would be conveying it to anyone in the team. But, man, he would be annoyed. Because, you know, I, I know he was never on for the win, right? And mm. even if... Because Valtteri was well ahead of Max, so it's not like there was mm. ever going to be some team games played. But this is this is a, a season of points by by the by the individual point, not the tens, as is normally the case. And Harry, I think that he's going to see this as cost him points big time. Definitely, I, I think for him, you know, def- he should not have lost that spot to, to Charles Leclerc at, at a minimum. And then even that Sergio Perez one there. And then what the, the gap is, is Max ahead by, I think, six points. Six now, points now. Yeah. yeah. And what that would, that could be, they could be almost even if he, if he came third there. So well, it's definitely at, cost him. At one point, had he had finished in third place, it would have just been one point the difference yeah. between Hamilton and Verstappen in the Drivers' Championship. Um, it's, just, it's just as crazy that... That that fortune has just changed so quickly. You know, go from a one point deficit now to a six point deficit. Uh, no it's wonder. Still super close though. It like is he, still regardless. Yeah, yeah, he comes first. He comes first next race. Max comes third, and he, he's he's back in front again. But I, I hear you. But I just think that. And look, we may end up talking about this with, with zero zero context in in six seven laps, six or seven races from now, because he wins by thirty points either one of them. But. It's it's possible that those fastest laps, those sprint races, those little things actually mm. add up in this season, and that's what's exciting about it. Don't get me wrong, um, and that that I think is the only thing you can take out of this race, boys, isn't it? That yeah. there is still, um, you know, Hamilton. Let's be clear, came from eleventh into fifth, should have been third. That would have been a phenomenal result for a ten-place grid penalty, Harry. Great effort, especially in those conditions as well, where you know some of the strengths of the car is kind of lost a little bit. So that it, it, it was still a mammoth effort. Like him and, and Carlos Sainz had massive runs from from their respective back ends of the grid, and I guess they're kind of the two exciting bits from the race. Is it naive of me, Connor, to suggest that the teams literally had never considered no stopping, and therefore, you know. Plan A, B, C, D, there's never been a letter associated to no stopping. And so those conversations on the radio where where Charles Leclerc goes, can I get these tyres to the end or can we go till the end on these is actually a question of are we allowed to? Can we? Uh, do you know what I mean? Like it felt like it was more such a blind side to them to think that they could go the whole way because the track mm. literally didn't dry out at all. No, it didn't. And, and let's not forget. It was cold all weekend, so that's why the humidity was so high. And and not only that, I think the teams were were scared to maybe push the boundaries of those tyres and go the entire distance. Yeah. No wonder Leclerc was actually asking his team bunker, can I go the entire distance? And I think Hamilton was in the same mindset as well. I think it was a great mindset to have because you've got to take a risk somewhere, particularly for Hamilton, where he's got a championship on the line. You have to take those risks sometimes where you have to, you know, if you're going to go the entire distance, you just go for it. And that's what they did tonight. Well, Harry, the number one thing I'd be doing now if I was Ted Kravitz is I would (laughs) be going to the Alpine pit and saying, can you show me Esteban Ocon's tyres? And I would be putting them on camera and making Lewis Hamilton feel awful because he did go no stopper. And that's the tyres that matter. That's the tyres we all need to see. But he he also got I think he got Lance Stroll overtook him towards the end there as well. So 
he was losing time and you saw Antonio Giovinazzi, I reckon if there was another lap or two would have got him as well. So, I mean, it's, it's 50-50 at the end of the day. Lewis listened to his team and, and probably felt like his gut knew better and yeah. ended up fifth. All right. Well, we do it all thanks to the good people at KO. And you can uh, sign up for KO. You can watch all the Formula One, which is uh, how we watch the Formula One. I'm watching it right now in the Man Cave, uh, big screen, and uh, every single Formula One session is there, as well as everything you want in motorsport, V8 supercars, MotoGP. It's all there. And with summer coming up, don't forget the cricket. There's a lot going on on KO Sports. Let's talk about the teams indivi- uh, as, as groups, boys. I mean, there's no, no doubting this is a big win for Red Bull. Um, you know, oh, totally. we'll talk about Sergio as an individual. There's a few good driver standouts we want to talk about. But as a team, Connor, you know, this is a big win for Red Bull because they were able to use their rear gunner. They were able to attain two places on the podium. That's the kind of thing they need much more consistently for that uh, championship overall as a constructor. Absolutely. And Checo has been struggling a little bit in terms of being that that rear gunner for Max in the last few races. So this is going to give him quite a bit of confidence going into the final six races of the season. Now that he can actually be that rear gunner for Max, and he played the game really well tonight. Let's face it, he, he was right up there all race long. And we saw some great racing between Hamilton and himself midway through that race. That that final set of corners where they went wheel to wheel and they didn't give each other an inch, not even bumping one another or taking each other out, some of the best racing I have seen so far this season. And it was clean, competitive racing, and the fans absolutely went off their head loving it. Shocker for Williams, though, Harry. I mean, they're down there in 15th and 17th. Uh, They just showed nothing this weekend. Um, And I think that's... That's kind of disappointing. It, it's that whole, you know, two steps forward, three steps back kind mm-hmm. of thing. It, it does feel a bit that way. And maybe that's the nature of this track, but it didn't seem to suit them in any way, shape or form. Well, I think both drivers as well made mistakes um, towards the beginning, which we, of course, didn't see because Sky News was obsessed with following uh, Lewis and Yuki Sonoda for a while there, mm. while we saw on the timing charts a bunch of different action. But yeah, so they, they started off badly and just struggled to, to sort of catch up from there. But in saying that, you know, Latifi at one point, he was coming last by a little little whack and ended up ahead of the Haas and, and Sebastian Vettel. But yeah, n- not amazing. Um, the other team who I think obviously had a very good race was Ferrari. Uh, mm. In Ch- Charles Lecote in fourth, and then Carlos Sainz making it from the pretty much the back of the grid to eighth. While you know they're only concerned about McLaren, and McLaren only end up with Lando Norris in the points in seventh. So yeah, Ferrari will be happy. And I think Connor, that's um, that's a critical uh, a team conversation because that you mm. need those multiple points finishes um, in every step of that. We've talked about that championship, which we'll go through shortly, but it's. It's all well and good to have, you know, first or third or whatever it is, but the battle between first and second, the battle between third and fourth, those individual battles along the ladders of the the, the grid, the championship, are huge. And so mm. having a strong performance, so Charles' consistency up there, although they'll be beating themselves up about whether or not, you know, what he could have done if they did or didn't pit. Although Carlos, it's like there's there's no questioning he had the advantage of pace in both stints, I think. Absolutely. And and look, I've got to say, Charles's immediate pace at the start of the race, the fact that he actually went from 19th on the grid up into, I think, about 12th and then into the top 10 in those opening 10 to 15 laps, faster than Daniel Ricciardo, 
uh, they said a lot about Ferrari's pace tonight. They were in very, very good form, and that's going to give them a little bit of confidence going into these final six races. Leclerc, obviously, just unlucky uh, that the pace of his his inters went away after he changed near the end of the race. But the fact that he finished in the top five is still an impressive performance, and I think it's it's going to give Ferrari a bit of confidence into next season with the new regulations change. On the other hand, for, for McLaren... They were in mo- no man's land tonight. They were absolutely nowhere. And they I did, mean, a lot of people did say this was not their track. The the, the long, medium speed yeah. turns were, were a problem for them. Was was how it was described in the commentary. It's essentially not a great track for them. But, no, absolutely not. No, it was it was like dreadful. I don't know. I hate I hate when teams. I get that you know you have your different strategies around how you're going to design the car around if it's going to be better on low speed tracks or high speed tracks or whatever. But I just. I feel like that's just such a, a cop out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I must admit, it was a big call by McLaren tonight to, to take that 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 penalty for Dan, go to that fourth engine and put him at the rear of the field. I thought it was, you know, a, a sensible decision to go that route. Well, I, don't see, yeah. I, I didn't see how poorly qualified. Oh, I, I don't see him doing much better than where he was. He might have grabbed a point, you know, without that without that penalty. To be to be frank, I, I don't know that he would have been. Much further up the grid. Although, Harry, I must say, uh, a team we don't talk about much. Um, the 2022 car for Haas must mm-hmm. be amazing because Gee, I don't so. even think they're bringing the right number of mechanics to these races, are they? I mean, what, are they even here? <laughs> no, it's just, what, are they just running an old car? They've got the uh, couple of blokes from the local workshop in whatever country they're racing <laughs> at, and, and that's the car. But, you know, they must be confident in it in the, and the money that's flowing in from the Mazepin family to, to get them up to scratch because we heard this week that uh, the Andretti's are looking to get into Formula One with Sauber, um, which I think if they keep the Alfa Romeo name is going to be a very long team name. What's that going to be like? Alfa Romeo, Ferrari, Sauber. <laughs> Andretti. Andretti. Oh, Andretti Andretti United, Auto Sport. Yeah. yeah, Andretti Autosport. And they were rumoured to, to have tried to Haas first, but Gene Haas wasn't into it. So they must be pretty confident about something. That's a Absolutely. very good point. I mean, you know, you don't knock back uh, money slash ownership unless you're just a complete big head. Maybe Gene Haas is that. I don't know. Um, individually wise, uh, I mean, I think there's two individuals that, that absolutely must be called out. And firstly, Carlos Sainz, you've talked a little bit about Connor already, but, you know, Harry, he got driver of the day, quite rightly, Deserved. you know, mm. came from the back row into eighth and at every point he he just had it, didn't he? He, he was smashing yeah. it. Well, he was coming up like right from the get-go. We were watching him and Dan and they both they both jumped up two or three spots fairly quickly and then Carlos just freaking flew. And then it felt like within about five laps he, he was already in 11th. So he just had an absolute cracker. So the other one, and I think this this could have oh, – it's disappointing he didn't end up in the points, but Yuki Sonoda did yeah, no, no, a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. It's only eight laps, but eight laps holding off a seven-time world champion in a Mercedes-Benz, I think, was yeah. was very well done. The longest eight laps of his career so far, I'd say. <laughs> so far. And the best in terms of yeah. you know, helmet Marco and others in the – in the Red Bull family, and, and I can only think, I can only think that's that was going to help out Red Bull in the long run as the race progressed, and I think in the end it certainly did. I mean, okay, Yuki's pace did drop off after he spun mid race, but those eight laps was a definitely telling sign that 
you know, Yuki's on, you know, probably on the right course in the Red Bull family. He's right worked now. out. He's worked out the right strategy. All he needs to know is that he needs to be able to block Lewis Hamilton or the next fastest guy in that second seat. So he's just auditioning with that strategy now. Well, we mentioned earlier as well, Sergio Perez. I mean, that essentially was the standout for his day as well. He mm. was able to not just get a podium, which is huge, but he was able to demonstrate his ability to play rear gunner. No, he didn't. He didn't actually hold Lewis off entirely, but geez, he held him off for multiple laps more than he needed to. And I think that, you know, if you compare him to Alex Albon, I don't see Albon having that level of skill. I, I, I don't. I don't see it, Connor. No, absolutely not. I think Albon would have just been an easy picking for Hamilton had he still been in that seat this year, whereas Checo just yeah, took it up to Hamilton lap after lap after lap. And we saw in that little battle during the mid-race where everyone was on their feet, you know, that's the kind of backup that Verstappen needs. And Checo is definitely delivering that right now. And even if he doesn't win any more races this year, Checo, the fact that he's proven to be a outstanding second player for Red Bull right now and being competitive, that's going to help their chances in terms of Max winning that driver's championship. May also help them as well in the constructors' standings, and we'll look at those very shortly. Harry, I mean, um, definitely helping the constructors' championships too. More points he gets, yeah, yeah. for sure. Harry, <laughs> um, uh, poor old Seb. Seb, Seb was oh. asked on the team radio, um, "Is this going to get to a point where it'll it'll be dry?" And he said, "Definitely." There must have been more radio communications, obviously, because they pull him in around the time everyone else was stopping. Yeah. It was and what, he, like lap 40? He, he put yep. on mediums. Yeah. He lasted a couple of laps, lost a shitload of pace and and uh, spots on the grid, and then ended up in oh, 18th. 18th. So nice. he was... I think everyone else on the grid was happy for that because I think they were all thinking about it and Seb was the guinea pig, didn't work out, so so no one did it. I actually also think that probably is something that spooked um, Mercedes as well because that that the the bald intermediate would probably have been close to that medium or a hard tyre and seeing how Seb went, it, it probably spooked them too It'd much. Be, I'd be fascinated, to be honest. They, they put a lot of effort into different specials on Sky and, and Formula 1 do their own pieces, but... I'd love to see some sort of you know cross section analysis of of how an a, a bald inter is still better yeah. than a slick because I would love that you know mm. if you look at it I looked at a lot of the tires that they came into Park Ferme at the end and I don't know you're talking about it looked to me like fifty to sixty percent of the tire was bald but then it 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 didn't just hit you know huge gaps it was more like it 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 ta- tapered off. Mm. to to the to the small grooves that were available and so is it because when you're going around a corner the load shifts to those grooves or Could be the it, camber as well right well mm. obviously the camber plays into where that bald spot comes but how is a bald inter providing mm. a, it's a much higher level of grip than a slick uh, that that it's just hard to fathom as a, Give as the, a the science of the compound yeah, it's obviously, it's obviously much different than just like the grooves to the water to go out. Yeah, I, I, I just found it fascinating because even um, uh, Max's tyres, no, sorry, Valtteri's tyres, Max's tyres when he came in to, to the, to the uh, pits at the end looked like Inters, whereas mm. Valtteri's tyres looked like all the Inters did after the first stint. They looked like 50% bald. Now, he did put in a fastest lap. But I can't imagine that alone uh, wore them down. It it just looked like they they go down to that point very rapidly. And 
I, I just I find it fascinating that at those speeds, with clearly some water on the track enough that over 58-odd laps there was still no, no true dry performance, uh, it is a fascinating thing, the Inters, and, uh, and it just shows that, that there is no one on the grid, no team had the skill to really interpret that properly. In fact, I would argue, Connor, hmm. and this, this sounds ridiculous, I know, but I would argue the team seemed to do no better than three blokes with a Formula <laughs> One app. You know what I mean? Like, I'm looking yeah. at it going, why, what are you doing? I'm yelling at the screen. At the time, I'm looking at the times. I'm looking at three sectors and lap times. There's four bits of data per driver I'm looking at, yeah. and I'm going, why would you bring Lewis in? I am still trying to work out what is going on in the mindset of Mercedes-Benz at the moment. It just it just beggars belief right now that they could make such a call like they did along with Hamilton, to spook Hamilton into pitting, and it turns out to be the wrong decision altogether. And no wonder, as I said before, Hamilton is absolutely furious with Bono and Toto right now. I, I would just love to be Drive to Survive right now to have a camera in that debrief and just to listen to Hamilton absolutely lose his shit because he, I think he has every right to be annoyed because he had a podium place on the yeah well ready and waiting and that would have helped minimize a lot of the damage of taking that 10 place grid penalty and if anything it's it's gone kind of went backwards so yeah I, I sometimes I think you just got to go with your gut and Lewis should have gone with his gut tonight that's what I think I mean it's funny uh, we talked about the AWS AWS stuff earlier Harry but it I think you can and I saw a story, was it last night they had a, a massive Kaspersky advertisement on the Sky Sports um, thing where they were talking about Ferrari's data analytics and all this stuff. But in the end, it was an, it was Kaspersky, you know, giving them that access, good access they got. But they talked about 400 terabytes or petabytes of data or something mm. every weekend. And I genuinely, and this sounds ridiculous, I know, but I genuinely think that, that it was overanalyzed today, Harry. Yeah, I think they I think they were just spooked. Like it was mm. I think they were over analyzing because the conditions and the state of the track were not something that they had expected, not something they had previous data on. And so think, they, they, were, they were panicking and trying to add whatever they could and and you're not having the same informed decision that I think that Mercedes garage is is used to making. They're usually so well prepared and and they just couldn't do you think maybe because the way the Turkish Grand Prix has been held later in the year than what has been in the past, you think they they weren't they were expecting the conditions to be warmer and not the cold conditions that we've been getting in the last couple of years? Let, let's remember also that this particular race was supposed to have been held at the same time the Canadian Grand Prix was held, and then they got it got cancelled initially because of COVID, and then it got reinstated back in the calendar. I mean, it's probably more because that unexpected stickiness, right? Because they, mm. after the resurfacing and the, the what did they say? It sounded almost like it was an, you know, a, a glorified giant gurney thing that was being used to clear off all the rubber on the track or something. Yeah, they had well. water guns or something, yeah. Very and strange. Just, yeah, uh, yeah. Jim's high pressure cleaning. Yeah, Jim, Jim had something to do with it for sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just think there's there's a fascinating... Deep dive. If I if I was the Sky executive producer today, I would be making plans for a deep dive into strategy um, to understand how a team makes those decisions and on what basis. But I wouldn't be doing it with the teams because they're just going to talk out their ass. It needs to be done with you know former team members and stuff like that. It mm. just it just all it all points to strategy. I think being overthought. So anyway, that's that's just my thoughts on the whole race, frankly. Good uh, Nico Con- segment. 
Yeah, yeah. actually, you know, not a not a bad point. Actually, not a bad point. Connor, um, championship tables. Uh, you want to kick it off with uh, constructors, perhaps? Constructors, yeah. Mercedes still extending their lead over Red Bull, so it's four thirty three and a half points now to three ninety seven and a half for Red Bull. For Mc, for McLaren and Ferrari, the battle for third. It's only seven and a half points the difference between McLaren and Ferrari. So from McLaren, 240, Ferrari, 232 and a half, Alpine on 104 points in fifth, Alpha Tauri, 92 and six, seventh is Aston Martin on 61, eighth is Williams on 23, ninth is Alfa Romeo with seven points. And of course, Haas still at the bottom with no points at this point in time. In the Drivers' Championship, we talked about that it could have been a one-point difference between Verstappen and Hamilton. It's now six points. So two sixty-two and a half points to Hamilton uh, to Verstappen. Sorry, uh, Hamilton second two fifty-six and a half. Valtteri Bottas moves uh, can, extends his gap to uh, Lando Norris in third position. So one hundred and seventy-seven points for Bottas. Norris now on one hundred and forty-five. Sergio is now ten points behind Lando on one thirty-five and fifth. Carlos Sainz leads Charles Leclerc. By half a point, 116 and a half points to 116. Then it is Daniel Ricciardo on 95, Pierre Gasly 74, and Fernando Alonso rounding out the 10 on 58 points. Very nice, very good. I think it's it is an exciting championship. We need to remember that all the the weirdness about some of these races and and what's happening to it, it is a really exciting championship. One we haven't seen. For a very long time, really, Harry. So I think that's yeah, that's what we've got to to hold close is is the excitement of the next six races. Yeah, it's definitely you know we haven't felt this close at the top between who could potentially win it for for a few years now. So that's that's always good to have back. And you know I think we'll probably overduce in summer break for a bit of a snooze fest like this, and hopefully that's got it out of the way for a little while. Yeah, because my one of my favourite tracks is next to the uh, Circuit of the Americas, um, which. Well, the race will be on the 25th of October, which will be a nice early morning for 6 us. 6 a.m. Yeah. 6 a.m. on Monday. So yeah. uh, that's um, that's horrible timing if the Today Show any of that day. But anyway, that's <laughs> that's a whole other issue I just realised. Uh, <laughs> that sounds um, like a you problem, Trev. Yeah, it I is know. a you problem <laughs> big time. Problem. Actually, the next two races are going to be you problems big time because yeah. both this one and the Mexican Grand Prix are both held at 6 o'clock and then the Brazilian Grand Prix after that will be a 4 a.m. start. 4 a.m. on good with shit. Yeah, that's it's it's a it, but it's definitely a one stopper though, so you can just sleep yeah. all the way through. You just get an early, yeah, early start. United States, Mexico, uh, Brazil, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and Abu Dhabi. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I want it to go down to the wire again. I want it to go all the way 2010 style down to Abu Dhabi. I think it'll be exciting if we get um some, some crazy carnage. Uh, you know, uh, Schumacher Hill style, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think kind of that, that's, that's what the sport needs as much as anything else. Cause it's, uh, it's, oh, it's been a fundamental part of the sport, not just this year, but for so many years before with so many other rivalries. Yeah. And I think it will go that way. I, I really believe that it will be the final race of the season that the championship will be decided. And I'm expecting that it will be quite chaotic between Verstappen and Hamilton because they're just going to go for it. They know that they've got nothing to lose in that last race of the season if it gets to that point. And I think it'll end up being a Senna, Prost, um, Hill or um, 
Schumacher kind of situation where either one of them takes each other out. And let's not forget 1997 when Schumacher and Villeneuve battled for the world title. So, you know, all these crazy situations could potentially happen in Abu Dhabi. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing if it ends up being in a 2010-style ending. You know, I think it would be fantastic. And just finally, Harry, um, Oscar Piastri definitely going to miss out on a seat for 2022, which we've we've assumed for a while. But uh, because of what you mentioned earlier, that likely – uh, investment or takeover or whatever you want to call it of uh, of the Alpha Romeo team in, involving the Andretti's, um, which will obviously then give them uh, a say over that seat. Which uh, y- your your call is it'll go to Herder. Yeah, that's that seems that's he's Andretti's boy, um, and he's been absolutely killing it in uh, in IndyCar, and I guess he's kind of like looked mm. at as as the next sort of Max Verstappen in IndyCar if you if. Uh, you have not been watching Indy lately. So well, Colton, I, I think Colton, be... Hurd has, Colton Hurd has won three, the three races this season. He won the yeah. last race at Long Beach and won it quite convincingly as well. And, and so... winning three races in Indy, just to be clear, is is actually a big deal because that's a that's a, a a competition where you get multiple winners. It's not a you know it's not a snooze fest like this can be, which is exciting. But that, let's be clear. And as Connor has said to, in in our group chat, um, the last Indy car driver to come to Formula One. I go so well, so you know it's not like it's got a huge reputation for um, for that transition. Whereas Roman seems to be doing well in in Indy, coming from Formula One. I don't know. I just think that it probably goes the other way better than it does towards Formula One. It'll be good to see though, and I I think I'd be much happier to see him in that seat than uh, than Zhao. Um, yeah, especially because it feels more on merit then uh, who's got the biggest purse strings. So, yeah. you know, obviously that's that's just rumoured, but it seems to be, you know, one of those all but confirmed rumours. So we'll we'll see, I think, probably in America on the 25th. What's going on there? Yeah, what's going on? It's a perfect time to announce it. Circuit of the Americas, a nice big unveil and all that kind of stuff. So you can imagine that's the case. Um, uh, it'd be great if you could leave a rating and review if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, um, not just because uh, it's lovely to read what people think, but it's lovely to know people are out there. And also, uh, I will say, boys, I'm pretty pretty confident now i'm putting myself in 80 percent that uh i um not only have the good people at ko uh said they will chip in a year's subscription to ko but i think i found a tv as well so i think we'll have Oof. by the end of the season Ooh. we'll wrap up the we'll wrap up those last three rounds with a uh with a tv and ko 12 month membership um so that your 2022 season will be all looked after from uh, thanks to the eftm f1 podcast and ko so that's all coming uh, later in the year, boys. Um, until then, get some rest, and uh, we'll see you at the Circuit of the Americas. Oh, well, not at there, but uh, <laughs> I wish maybe in twenty twenty two. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm all looking right. forward. To, I'm looking forward to Texas. They say things are bigger in Texas, so they better deliver in a couple of weeks. I don't know what Connor's talking about, Harry, but um, He's bring it off on. The bed. <laughs> see you, boys. <laughs> see Bye. You.